Hallelujah. Man, it has been powerful, powerful. Lauren had uh, transmission problems on the way here and uh, she wanted to be here so bad that she called her parents, I think it is, or some relative and they came and got her and they will be here in, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes, but I'm going to go ahead and minister and let her uh, be up last. Uh, so that'll be good. But I just want to say thanks to everybody for coming. I want to thank everyone who was responsible for putting this on and all of our speakers. This has been powerful. And I'm going to get this out somehow or another to the people that I influence because everybody needs to hear this. And if people would hear this, I tell you, it'd build a fire under them and motivate them. And our workshops, I got to hear a couple of them. I heard Kevin, not all of it, because I was visiting during part of it, but what I heard was powerful when he was speaking at the, in Congress. And, and anyway, that was great. And I listened to Jeff also. I don't know if Jeff is still in here, but... Uh, Anyway, it was powerful. And I, of course, heard Jesse before and I've heard uh, Jackie uh, and all of these. And so it's just been a powerful time. And I believe that this has really, really helped you, built a fire under you and equipped you to be able to go out and to make a difference. So that's really awesome. Thanks, Richard, for everything you've done to make all of this work. It's awesome. Hallelujah. What a blessing. You know, I'm going to share on some things here in just a second. Let me say this, that uh, it's been referred to, I think, by every speaker about being in a great awakening. And of course, uh, I think the Lord spoke that to um, Pastor Dwayne years ago. Uh, but I'm a newcomer to this. Uh, I've always prayed for like a revival or something like that. I wouldn't have ever referred to an awakening because, you know, that goes way back into history and it's not a terminology that I would have used. But in, on March the 5th, I was with Jesse Rogers on March the 4th and spoke in Tulsa. And then I drove to uh, Oklahoma and I was with Richard and we were with my uh, niece and nephew and they held a meeting that had about seven or 800 people there. And I mean, the power of God was present. Great things were happening. And I was just so excited to think, you know what? They're real young people. And I said, we're leaving uh, the gospel in good hands because they were preaching the word. Great things were happening. And, and uh, we were singing that song about your goodness is running after me. And... Uh, I was just praising God. Matter of fact, we've got a picture of this. Somebody actually took a picture of me from the back at the exact moment that God spoke to me and there was just a light. I don't know if it was a light in the auditorium, but it was just like a light from heaven on me. And I had my hands in the air and, and I was worshiping the Lord and thanking him and the Lord spoke to me and he said, someday the young people that are, I mean, the people that are in this auditorium will be telling the young people of their generation about what it was like to be a part of the third great awakening. And again, that's not a terminology I would have used. I might've said a revival or a move of God or something. And I was just kind of shocked. And I said, Lord, you mean we are going to have a third great awakening? And he spoke to me and he says, no, it's not coming. It's already here. It's already begun. And I tell you, that's impacted me. 
And I just want to share, I think every one of us have mentioned this. Matter of fact, Dwayne, I'll, I'll share this. And if I'm wrong, you can correct me, Dwayne. But Dwayne was writing this book that he's talking about. And he was saying something about there's coming a great awakening. And the Lord stopped him right in the middle and said, no. And he says, what? Have I missed it all of this time? I've been talking about it. And the Lord told him, no, it's not coming. It's already here. And that was the very day that he got my letter about that it's not coming. It's already here. So that was a confirmation to me and a confirmation to him. But I tell you, God is doing something special. And we are all a part of it. But boy, we've got to stand up and we've got to be bold. You know what I want to do here? I'm going to give Lauren as much time as I can. She should be here not too long. But what I want to do is, uh, is teach you something. You know, I'm not a preacher. Dwayne says he can preach on occasions. I just can't preach. <laughs> I am a teacher and I'm out of my league with all of these people. But it's been wonderful. I've really loved it. But what I want to do is, is share with you, I believe that most of us in here agree with everything that's been said and that we know it's true and we know that America is in crisis and that we know that this is not just, uh, uh, you know, this is life and death. It's, the nation's going to go one way or the other. And I believe by a word from God that we are going to see it turn around, but it won't turn around without us taking a stand and we have to pay the price of being a patriot and we have to uh, stand up and fight. I think that all of us agree on that and know it. And yet there's a, a hesitancy to do it. There's a fear to stand up. And I just want to share with you some things from the word of God about what that is and how to deal with it and how to overcome it. So over here in Proverbs chapter 29 and in verse 25, it says, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whosoever putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You know what the problem is? Again, we know what to do. Most of us in here have reached that place like Pastor Dwayne was talking about. We've at least come to a place where we can discern both good and evil. And we know that the things we're seeing are wrong. And yet there is a fear in the vast majority of people to stand up and to take a stand. And it's because the fear of man is what is hindering us. You put this together with 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, where perfect love cast out fear. The problem is we fear men more than we fear God, more than we reverence God. And you can slice it any way you want to and dress it up and make it look however you want to. But the bottom line is most of us are more fearful of men than we are of God. You know, a scripture that I've been meditating on for a couple of years is Psalms 36, one, where it says the transgression of the wicked says within my heart that there is no fear of God before their eyes. It didn't say that that's necessarily what the wicked think, but with those who have a revelation, those who have a relationship with God, it says to me that they don't fear God. And people have lost the fear of God. They've lost the fear of the church. You know, Pastor uh, Mark Cowart, we, we mentioned this uh, back in the green room a while ago that I, I remember when I was a kid that, man, you'd never have anything on a Sunday afternoon or a Wednesday night because those were church nights. 
And you wouldn't do things like that. Now the church has been deemed irrelevant, non-essential. And it's because the church hasn't been preaching the word of God and people have lost a fear of God. And that's the reason people are emboldened in doing the things that they're doing. But we have a fear of man. There is a fear of rejection. You know, I believe that God created us for relationship. And if you like rejection, something's wrong with you because God created us for fellowship. It says over in Revelation chapter four that for his pleasure, we are and were created the original purpose and still the purpose of God. He created mankind to have fellowship with us, to love us for his pleasure. You were created for a relationship. And there is something inside of every one of us that longs to be accepted. But Satan has played upon this to the point that we are fearful of people's rejection. And it has paralyzed most people. And you know, I was an introvert when I was a kid. And you can say that, well, that's a personality trait and some people are just shy. I've got an entire teaching on this entitled self-centeredness, the source of all grief. I'm not going to teach that right now, but Proverbs 13:10 says only by pride comes contention. And most people redefine pride in other ways, but pride in its simplest terms is self-centeredness. P-R-I-D-E. I is the center of all pride and being shy is nothing but selfishness. You are thinking about yourself. You are afraid that if you open up your mouth and say or do something wrong, people are gonna uh, reject you, that you could make a mistake. All it is is just self-centeredness. It's you love yourself. And coming from the uh, perspective of being an introvert, I couldn't even look at a person in the face and talk to them. And it paralyzed me. When I was around people at church, that's where I live. That's where uh, my life centered around church. And I had a certain group of friends and stuff I was okay with. But if you got me outside of church and if you put me in a, what they call secular situation, man, I just froze. I couldn't even talk to a person. I remember a man walking down the street and on a uh, morning, he just said, good morning. And he was two blocks down the street and I was sitting in my car, a senior in high school before I said, good morning. That's how I was. And you know what it was? It was because I was so focused on me and I was so afraid that I'd be rejected that I'd say something wrong. It's a fear of man. And you know, I, I, you don't ever, again, I, if you ever get to a place that you like people to reject you, something's wrong with you. So I'm not saying you get over it, but the way you get over it is to get to where you fear God more than you fear man. I had an experience with the Lord where I mean God just showed up and he revealed himself to me and showed me that I was a religious hypocrite. And man, I thought he was going to kill me. I won't go through that whole story. Many of you have probably heard me talk about it. But I repented in sackcloth and ashes in front of the leaders of our church, in front of all my best friends. And I just laid myself out. And I was waiting to see what God's reaction was going to be and the love of God just overwhelmed me. And I mean, for four and a half months, I was caught up in the presence of God. And just like 1 John 4, 18, perfect love cast out fear. I lost my fear of people because I found the love and the acceptance of God. 
Fear of people is really based on the fact that you're afraid they're going to reject you. You want love. You crave love. You crave acceptance. And so you do what you have to do to be accepted. But when you find out that God loves you and you find his love, you reach a place to where God, you are more than what I've needed. I don't need any more than you. And I'm not afraid of other people rejecting me. We had, a, we had our city elders sit right here in these seats and we had a meeting before last year's uh, summer family Bible conference because they said, you can't have it. And I said, we are going to have it. So then they came to see, is there any way we could meet? And I had one of our county commissioners just call me a liar. You're, you have no integrity. And boy, he blasted me, said all kinds of rotten things. And I said it a little nicer than this to him, but basically what I was telling him, I said, look, I've been criticized by a lot more important people than you. <laughs> and I said, I don't care what you think. And when you get to where you find out that God Almighty loves you, that he carries your picture in his wallet, that he thinks you're awesome, when you are walking in the love of God, it changes everything. Proverbs 28.1 says, the righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when there's no man without. What righteousness means here, it isn't just forgiven of sins, which is part of righteousness, but my little layman's definition is righteous is being right with God. When you know that you're right with God, that he loves you and he loves you by grace, not based on performance. So it's not like you're having to walk this tight rope. And if you ever make a mistake, you're going to fall off and fall out, out of God's blessing that he's going to turn on you. But once you understand that he's forgiven you of all of your sin, past, present and future, that there's nothing you can do to make him turn against you, that he just loves you because he is love and not because you are lovely. Once you understand that, and you are walking in that kind of love and acceptance, man, you will do anything for him. You will stand up for him and you don't have to have the approval of other people. You aren't codependent upon other people. When you are afraid to stand up and speak the truth, it's because you love yourself and you are looking to be validated and approved by people more than you are by God. I know that that's not popular the way I said it. I just cut to the chase. This is the root of it. You could say it in many other ways and talk about, well, what about my job? I might lose my job. That's, that's not that big of a deal. Jesus died for you and redeemed you. You know, I just recently saw a movie about Polycarp, who was the disciple of John the Baptist. And anyway, this was a historical fact. I got on the internet and read it and they had accounts there of when he was burned at the stake. And that Roman... Uh, officer gave him an opportunity to recount his faith and to burn incense unto Nero. And if he would have done it, they are, I guess not Nero, but Caesar. Uh, and if he would have done it, they would have let him off and let him live. And he says, 86 years, he's been faithful to me. How could I do this and deny my Lord? You know what he was saying? He had the love of God. That perfect love cast out a fear of man. And brothers and sisters, 
the root of our problem is that we have been too plugged into the world. We've enjoyed all of the things that this world has to offer. We've enjoyed the acceptance and all of these kind of things. And because of it, we are more in love with that than we are God. You need to get to a place to where God's love is dominant in your life and it will literally cast fear out. And it's the fear of man that has caused us to be silent. And we've wrapped it in all kinds of excuses about we're trying to love people. Dwayne made a great point. It's not love that sets people free. It's the truth spoken in love that sets people free. And we've been lied to. You know, one of the turning points in my life was, again, I've always had to deal with what did people think and I don't want to offend people and stuff. And I was uh, ministering to a man and he was telling me, you know, asking me questions, what's wrong? And how do I deal with this? And as he was talking to me, God told me what was wrong, but I knew he wasn't going to like it. This wasn't going to be nice. And I forget now what it was, but I knew that this guy was not going to like what I said. And so I was sitting there listening to him talk and thinking about God, do I tell him this? And the Lord spoke to me and he says, if you don't tell him the truth, then you reject the truth for him. You don't have the right to reject the truth for another person. It says, you're supposed to be my messenger. You know, I've traveled overseas and had interpreters many, many times. And I've had good interpreters and bad interpreters. And an interpreter isn't preaching his own message. I was in Germany and I was preaching and I said something this guy didn't like and he just flat changed it. <laughs> he didn't like what I said. And the pastor of the church got up and made him sit down. And he says, he's, he's not preaching your message. We are supposed to be interpreters for the Lord. And yet when we sit there and say, well, God, I know that you said homosexuality and transgender and marriages between a man and a woman and on and on you go. And I know that this is what you said, but these people will be offended. I might offend somebody if I do it. And so you change the message. God is going to tell you to sit down and get somebody else to stand up who will interpret him correctly. You don't have the right to refuse the truth for another person. We need to be bold. We need to speak the truth. And as has already been said by E.W. and, and uh, Mario and others, you know, we are sitting here and not preaching the truth because pastors love their uh, numbers of people that are coming. They love their uh, income and they love these kind of things. And they're sitting there afraid they're going to lose everything. And man, it, it was said so well by Richard and by other people today that man, if you don't speak the truth, you're going to lose everything. We're going to lose our freedom to assemble. They've already been telling us that the church is non-essential and that we can't function. And there, I tell you, it's just crazy the things that are happening. And the truth is the only answer to this. The church is still the most powerful force in this nation but it hasn't been speaking the truth. We haven't stood up. You are the one. You know, the Lord showed me one time that I shouldn't feel weird when I sit there and say marriage is between a man and a woman. I shouldn't be the one that feels weird. The people that don't believe that ought to feel weird. <laughs> They're the ones that are weird. Why is it that we have this fear and we feel like we're the odd ones? Man, I'm not odd. <laughs> Some people think I am, but I'm not odd. I'm believing what the Word of God says. 
You know, let me just use this over here in Daniel chapter three. This is a great example of not fearing men. Daniel chapter three is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, you know, you had to bow down when you heard all of this music. And so here in Daniel chapter three, it says, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, I'm gonna borrow from Richard here and say, uh, Joe Biden spake and said unto them, unless you take the vaccine, unless you do this, then I'm gonna throw you into this burning fiery furnace where you have to pay $14,000 for every violation of my law. That's awesome. But he says, now if you be ready at what time you hear the sound of the, all of this music and stuff, and if you'll bow down and worship this image that I have made, then you can live. But if not, I'll throw you into the burning fiery furnace and look at this arrogant statement. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Nebuchadnezzar had no fear of God. People today have no fear of God. You know, they had this one senator that somebody was giving testimony or, and anyway, he said something about the Bible says, and they stopped. Now, who was that? Was that Nadler? And he says, the Bible, or you know the quote, Richard? The Bible has no place in the U.S. House of Representatives. That's one of our congressmen. This is Nebuchadnezzar. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Man, I love this attitude. They said, we aren't afraid of you. We aren't worried about what we're going to say. They did what was right. You know, I've heard so many people talk about, but I'll lose my job. I was talking to uh, uh, Daniel's wife here earlier and she's a nurse and they're trying to force vaccinations. And I don't know that it's her, but some people are being forced. Either you take the vaccination or you have to resign. You can't work there uh, in the hospital unless you do this. And I had a woman come to me in Chicago a couple of weeks ago and she says, I'm a nurse. I'm going to lose my job unless I get vaccinated. And I said, well, do you want to the vaccination? I'm not against vax. I mean, that's Anyway, I'm not going to go there, but that's your decision. I'm not going to say you can or can't do it, but I asked her, I said, do you want to take it? And she says, no, I don't want it. And I said, well, then do what you've got in your heart. But she says, I'll lose my job. And I said, is that a reason to disobey God? You know, it's, I'm in big trouble already because what Richard and E.W. and everybody else has said. So I... I might as well jump in. But you know, these, these, women that, these women that come out and accuse this person of sexual abuse 20 years ago, and they say, well, why didn't you come out and say something? Because of my career, I was afraid that I wouldn't be promoted. That's a definition of prostitution. Sex for advancement, sex for money. I know that'd go over about like that. I guarantee you, if you'll go ahead and, do, and even commit sexual acts or do whatever or do whatever it takes to keep your job or you're going to lose your insurance or you're going to lose your pension, you're a hireling. You fear men more than you fear God. 
You just have to get to a place to where you fear God more than you fear man. And so they said, we aren't careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. He said, we know our God is greater than you. He can deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us from this fire, we know that we aren't going to serve you. You know, this Polycarp that I was talking about, before they caught him, he had a dream. And in the dream, he, he saw his pillow catch on fire. And he came and told the people, he said, you know what? God showed me that they're going to burn me at the stake. And so that was what they threatened him with. And uh, he told the Roman person that was uh, the judge over him, he says, you can set me on fire for an hour, but says you're going to burn in hell for eternity. You know what that is? That's loving God and valuing God more than you value man. And so they did. They set him on fire and he couldn't burn. <laughs> he didn't, he, they had fire all around him, but the fire wouldn't burn him. And so they took a spear and killed him and then they burned his body. God didn't deliver him from that thing. I can't say that God is going to keep your job, but what's more important? I'm telling you, we are in a fight for this nation and we've got to have people that will stand up and fear God and speak the truth in love. I'm not talking about being mean, but speak the truth in love and let the chips fall where they may. You know, back in 2019, it was uh, July or August, I think August the 16th of 2019. I was in my spa one morning, just praising God for all the awesome things he is doing, thinking back about things and just seeing how God had just transformed everything and all the good things that he's done for me. And we were beginning to go into 2020 and I was thinking, what's the next decade gonna be like? <laughs> And I was just thinking, God, what's going to happen in the next decade? And he said, you don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, real quickly, I got that immediately. You don't want to know. And I thought, well, I do want to know. I'd like to know. And he never said any more. And I've thought about that a lot. And you know what? If I'd have known what we went through last year, I'm not sure I would have enjoyed that. And it's not all over. And, but I'm not afraid of the future because I know I'm with God. If the worst thing came to worse and they kill me, I get to go to live in a mansion with Jesus forever. Amen. They put me in jail. I'll have a jail ministry. Amen. I'll be like the apostle Paul and we will have a revival and see the jailer get saved and all of these kind of things. I don't know what's going to happen, but I fear God and because of that, I refuse to bow to all of these things. And I'm just encouraging you, brothers and sisters, don't look, don't judge what God wants you to do based on what you think the outcome may be. And I, I have people come to me all the time and saying, I know God told me this, but if I do it, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I've had people go into 20 minute explanations, but if I do it, this will happen. And I just tell them, you lost me the moment you said, God told you to do something. If God told you to do it, you aren't God. 
You are the, you're the servant. You're supposed to do what he says. We should be doing what God says regardless of what the outcome is. And yet so many people will not do that. Man, they are afraid of people. You know, one of the things about Lauren that is going to be coming up here, she was on our Truth and Liberty broadcast and we've already got to interview her once, but this woman is just stronger than an acre of garlic. And uh, she's, she's not trying to be popular. She's trying to get in and do what's right. And the people who make a change are people that have a fear of God and they're going to do what God says instead of doing what people say. Did you know if Moses had had his finger in the air testing public opinion, we'd have never heard of Moses. They'd have still been in Egypt. They didn't even want to come out of Egypt. And then they kept trying to go back, but he kept doing what God told him to do. And on and on you can go with every single person. Every one of us wants to have one of these testimonies where God has used us to just transform the world and touch people's lives. And yet we're afraid to stand up and do what God said. You know, on Tuesday, I had Paul Milligan here. He was our previous CEO. He's the one that introduced Billy Epperhart to me. And I had Paul come up and share just for a second. And anyway, Paul was talking about, and I agreed with this 100%, but he said, Andrew has never been accused of being one of the smartest men in the room. <laughs> he said that about me with me standing right next to him. How dare he? But you know, it's true. I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but you know, one thing, the only thing that God has used in my life is that because of that experience, March the 23rd, 1968, where God revealed his love to me and I fell more in love with God than I was the love and the acceptance of people. I have tried to do what God has told me to do and I've done it even to the point I quit school, which gave me an automatic all expense paid trip to Vietnam and a potential dying. I mean, I started in 1968. And since then I have taken step after step after step that in the natural looks like it's the death of me, the death of the ministry. And yet when I've obeyed God, it just works out. And I'm telling you, if you will get to where you will do what God tells you to do, God will make you look good. God will come through. Miracles are waiting for you, but not if you stay in the boat. You're going to have to step out of the boat and you're going to have to take a step of faith and start walking on the water and stand up. And I guarantee you there will be criticism, but criticism won't kill you. If criticism would kill you, I'd be dead. And right now, it's not costing us. They aren't killing us. I believe that that's where they would like to go. They want to go to a totally, totally, uh, how do you say it? Totalitarian, whatever. They want to get to where they completely control us. And that's where they're wanting to go. But right now, it's just a little bit of rebuke. It's just a little bit of suffering shame. You know, I've been the center of attention in the local newspaper for two months or something, just trashing me and saying things. Man, that doesn't hurt me. I don't read them. <laughs> I have people tell me about them, but I don't read all this negative stuff about me. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we've had people that have laid down their life, who have sacrificed everything that they had, and I tell you, in comparison, we are, it is nothing for us to stand up. 
I just want to encourage you that we, the fear of man brings a snare. If you have to have the approval of people to feel good about yourself, then you're headed for failure. I'll end with this last scripture, John chapter five, verse 44, Jesus was speaking and he says, how can you believe which receive honor one from another and seek not the honor that comes from God alone? Jesus was teaching and he said, if you are out for uh, public praise, for acceptance from people, you cannot believe. Fear of man is a faith killer. You've got to get to where God is the only person who influences you. You will do what he says. You'll stand up and regardless of what the consequences are, whether they throw you into the furnace or not, man, you'll meet Jesus in there the fourth man in the furnace, and you'll come out without a smell of smoke. You'll have a great testimony. So I want to encourage you that it's the fear of man that keeps us from doing what we know we should be doing. And you just need to get to a place where you put God first. The thing that's going to make that work is when you're righteous, you know your relationship with the Lord, the perfect love of God will cast out fear. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let Richard give Congresswoman Bobert an official introduction. But let me just say I'm so thankful that you came here. And like I said, her. Uh, Her, her car broke down on the way here and it would have been easy for her to say, well, it's just too much effort. And yet she wanted to be here. And so, man, this is a godly woman. We need to pray for her. She's taken a stand against uh, Nebuchadnezzar or Pelosi, whichever <laughs> name you want on it. And uh, we need to support her. And so I'll let Richard give her a good introduction. 